This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. It's been three weeks, but we did have some entertainment for you in between times, which I hope you enjoyed with our special guests catch up with those if you haven't already etiquette and abdication the two subjects with lovely lovely rupert and tremendous alex so that was great fun i am your host Anne gripper since i last spoke to you i have been on an airplane despite all of this coronavirus shenanigans and i've lain on a sun lounger and i've been to devon the cambridges have been on holiday too they went to the fabulous 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 isles of silly they were on tresco it is a very special and magical place i went there for my honeymoon and we went back last year and if you go on facebook to the silly isles of silly webcam appreciation society i think it's called you will see more fabulous pictures than you can ever imagine it's a truly very special place and if there is anybody listening in the Isles of Silly hello and shout out to you guys um, and do let us know anyway enough of that ramble uh, what I didn't have to read on my sun lounger was um was the new book Harry and Meghan Finding Freedom by Emma Scobie and Karen Durant came out yesterday as we're recording this on Wednesday uh, and I am joined by my good friends Denny Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers hello hello and Mirror Online Lifestyle Editor Zoe Forsey, who Hi. have both been having a really good look through the book, what we found out, and how it has all gone down in the wider world. There is obviously lots and lots and lots to catch up on with the rest of the royal family as well, and we'll be coming to that later in the show. But we do have to start with the book. How, how has it gone down, Russell? The book, yeah. Well, we've seen some, uh, you know, fair, fair few articles over the last couple of weeks because it was serialised in uh, the Times and the Sunday Times, and then um, People Magazine had a chunk of it for the United States market. Uh, and I think there was sort of bombshell after bombshell. I think, um, and then obviously the book came out yesterday, so Zoe and I spent hours sort of poring over it, three hundred and sixty odd pages of um you know painting harry and megan in a very very positive light and um i think it's uh it's rather fascinating actually because for for all the authors um protests about how they didn't have any interviews or no sort of uh, cooperation um of any sorts they uh i i i think i speak for most of the general public when we when we feel that this level of detail couldn't have been achieved without some form of you know detailed cooperation from the two of them however this is what happens with royal biographies we all know what happened with andrew morton's very very famous biography of diana in 1993 and uh i mean he was sort of uh, banished as a fantasist almost in the beginning and then it obviously came out later that Princess Diana had um, had granted, you know, complete access to, to to interviews with her, to her friends, and I think this is this is no different. It, it gives um, uh, a fascinating insight, um, albeit uh, arguably one side of the coin. It's very very one sided in in in, uh, in periods, um, but it, nevertheless, it gives a fascinating insight into how Harry and Meghan were feeling. Certainly in the last two years, I mean, it charts their, their complete relationship, but the last two years, I think we find um, an awful lot of uh, score settling is something that's been mentioned. 
um, in in certain articles, and I think um, you know nobody nobody is spared. Almost there's uh, you know things said about William and Kate, Charles, uh, the courtiers who were conspiring against them, um, and it tells you the the sort of path of their the way that they um they felt that they had no option but to but to leave and and obviously we we know the we know the backstory and who are the authors i'm sure a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Omid Scobie in particular because he's a big deal on social media in the royal circles of followers and Carolyn Durant as well has been they've collaborated on this book they have so you know so i've worked with Omid and uh and Carolyn through, throughout the the last couple of years sometimes quite closely when we're on royal tours and they obviously have a very very deep um knowledge of the of the royal world they've both been royal reporters uh for for several years both of them and they know the way that the palaces work and the, the, the whole institution and royal machine works um and um and no doubt that they've demonstrated in this book um, that they've they've obviously got to know their subjects very very well. They they talk about how that they'd spoken to over a hundred sources with um, with everything corroborated by at least two sources. I mean, one may wonder who those two sources are. Um, not looking <laughs> too far from the actual subjects themselves. However, um, Omid and, and and Carolyn have obviously spent uh, uh, the last couple of years at least um, putting this book together. I know. Um, it had been put back several times. It was due for release probably about sometime in 2018, beginning of 2019, and it kept being put back because obviously everything that was happening with the tour back in um, yeah, South Africa last year, and then um, and then you know we've seen the absolute cataclysmic fallout of their decision to leave leave the royal family, and what this book does. Um, does present uh, a point of view, shall we say, um, from from their side, and it speaks to a lot of their inner circle. Um, but the detail in it is is absolutely exquisite at times. I mean, there's there's details of their first dates, what they had to drink, what they had to eat, secret trips they went on, how they were were um, how their relationship formed, how Meghan felt that she, you know, was going to use this profile of Sussex Royal for for the greater good and how that was sort of swiftly taken away from them. Um and and altogether um a fascinating insight if if um if only you know it, it goes without saying people don't necessarily agree with everything that's being said. But I think one of the things which is very, very fascinating is you know, ninety odd percent of the stories over the last two years that Harry and Meghan have um, have had an issue with have have been proved correct, and I think that that's a massive take from this. That uh, it was it was no doubt their relation, their disintegrating relationship with everything, everyone in the royal household, whether it's the family or the courtiers or everything and beyond. But their relationship with the press as well was deteriorating to to such an extent that that's why um that's why they took the drastic action that they did. Um, and you know the stories that we were writing have have been proved have been proved correct, and I think that's um, that's a really big take from it. And I think quite often it seems like you know the story was correct, but they didn't like the way it was presented, or you know you can two different people can see a story very differently and and present it very differently. And you know there we go. So Zoe, what did you find in the book? What stood out for you, or what which was a bit, which were the bits that made you sit up and go, oh. That is new. That is interesting. <laughs> that is surprising. Or oh, that is awkward. Well, yeah. As as Russell said, there's a huge amount of detail in it, um, and kind of lots of stuff. Kind of every, 
I'm not sure if you two did the same, but every page I turned, I was kind of like, oh, that's huge, that's new. And then, you know, it was continuous throughout. Um, there's a real mix of kind of positive stuff um, as well as the negative um, bits. Uh, it's interesting, actually, I didn't know what Russell just said, that it was it was due to come out a few years ago. And that's really, because it would have been a completely different book if it came out in 2018, wouldn't it? If it was just focusing, you know, before the the fallout and things like that um but kind of one of the one of the bits that i found you know kind of one of the more uh, you know upsetting claims in it should we say um was kind of the details of the the breakdown really in harry's harry and william's relationship obviously it's been quite widely reported but there was kind of a lot more of it from harry's side and you know the on the book um but there was the claim that um harry was worried that lots of William's staff were actually putting out information kind of mainly just to make William look good even if it made Harry look quite bad uh, the quote was even if it meant throwing Harry under the bus um, which is quite interesting and it's kind of saying that it was a very confusing time for Harry and his head was all over the place um, and basically he didn't know who to believe um, when these you know different stories were coming out and you know the kind of motives behind them I guess that's a you know what that's a that's a really interesting point and i think there's 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 four central points that we we'll, we can come on to but these the level of sort of hurtful statements i was quite surprised at really and it, and, and i come back to this sort of score settling and um the, the authors have, have said that it isn't necessarily like that it's really just putting their opinion over but what what i would argue is that this these comments that you know william's team threw harry under the bus by essentially just sort of talking up their boss well that's their job and that's their role within you know the 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 machine of the institution and i don't think that they um you know i would argue against that i think that he's being harry is being very very sensitive and it shows you his 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 mindset at that time that certainly that the, the courtiers whoever they work for whether it's harry and megan or charles or Queen or William and Kate, whatever, that's their job. They are there to publicise their bosses' roles, their bosses' uh, charities, all their engagements. And so by doing that, by, you know, I, I think that the main point is that Harry and Meghan didn't like playing second fiddle. And that's really surprising to me because the very concept of a monarchy is a hierarchical structure. And so did they both think that they were potentially more popular than William and Kate, that they should have been given more respect. Maybe, I think they, they, they did think that. And there's certain arguments in the book that's, that are argued the courtiers believed or were worried that um, Harry and Meghan were going to become more popular than monarchy. And I think that that's, you know, that's probably taking it a bit too far. And sometimes in a company, you've all got to put, be cogs in a wheel, haven't you? And, um, and, and, that's, and they obviously weren't very, very happy with it. This, and that's sorry Zoe go on <laughs> I'm saying that's one because it's always been one of those things that Harry's spoken quite openly about hasn't it um, I can't there was the quote I can't remember from the life when it was from but Harry said the same thing along the lines of I'll kind of you know do what I can and raise awareness for the charities I can until Prince George gets more interesting than me so he's always kind of speaking about it previously before has you know kind of really spoken with understanding about the, the different roles that him and his brother have and also, so, and he's also argued that nobody wants to be king. So, on one hand, he's moaning about, um, or, or, or essentially saying that he wouldn't have ever wanted the top job um, because there's too much pressure with it. And then on another token, he's saying that the, all the attention that was being given to William and Kate that they weren't necessarily happy about. And I think that the bottom line is um, they felt 
that they weren't being um, respected or listened to or their ideas weren't being adhered to all the time. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of commentary in the last uh, couple of days that, that really gives you a sense of the fact that when Harry and Meghan were told no, not you know for the first, second, third time, that this is what put in motion their decision to take the drastic action and leave. Now, we could we could speak to the cows come home about the the, the relevant mudslinging or them sacking their staff or whether it's the nannies or the in, the individual PAs. Um, I just think that the bottom line is that they were they were unhappy. Uh, and that's you know that doesn't shouldn't make anyone happy that they were deeply unsettled within their within their roles and and as Megan said to Omid and he writes about when um, when they had their last meeting she hugged him and she said it didn't need to be like this and that gives you another indication into their um, their train of thought at the time. One bit that I thought was a little bit interesting, maybe to the mindset of expectation versus reality, and it's a tiny tiny thing, and I probably wouldn't even have noticed it if I hadn't had a chat with Rupert from Debrett's when they're talking about how you know she was given access to experts and taught how to I don't know sit down properly in a pencil skirt and that kind of thing but was never offered etiquette lessons it's just like all of these things that you're being told that is etiquette lessons as you're going mm. along and like the, all of this how to behave it doesn't need to be a specific etiquette lesson like being put in touch with the experts that is making that information available and certainly like speaking speaking to Rupert most of what you know kind of the message i took from it is essentially it's like be nice to people and treat people as you would want to be treated and it's actually not it's it is it's not as complicated as as you need to make it so i don't know i thought that bit was um interesting and i think the um i think it's fair to say that reading it as a journalist i found it very very difficult it made me quite cross because every situation was an opportunity to have a pop at the media coverage. I actually ended up swearing at the radio yesterday, I confess, when Omid was on the radio, (laughs) saying, show me this positive media coverage that there was. And there was a huge amount of positive media coverage when Meghan joined the royal family. But I think if if you are the kind of person who only sees the bad stuff there is you know yes maybe there were there were little things that were picked up on that she thought was unfair or they thought was unfair but if you are a person who is going to remember the bad stuff rather than the good stuff that seems a little bit what might have come through and I think the other thing that I found is that the book is very much written I feel for an American audience the style of it is if you are um you know if you love the kind of more gushing over the top tone that Megan tends to go with it is very much written in that kind of uh an atmosphere I feel like it was making my you know you're, you're, in places. You're, you're totally right I don't I don't think uh, this is I think it is quite an American uh concept to really be talking to people I, I talked to my mother-in-law is American you know I'm always saying to her that she's the, the eternal optimist and that's doesn't really sit well with Brits a lot of the time. <laughs> but when you've got, you know, quotes from Megan's friends calling her super Meg, breathtaking, grace under fire, indefatigable. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I wish I had friends like that. Maybe they would talk maybe maybe give me some nicknames I was going to say, like yeah. That. Do you not I describe mean, people yeah, as breathtaking yeah, very yeah, often? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's, two, there's two things here, right? So on the one hand, we've all seen Megan... Um, speaking uh, about how she doesn't li- she doesn't read newspapers, she doesn't read the column inches. It's all noise. And on the other hand, 
Um, she was, you know, revealed that she used to sit out paparazzi pictures when she was uh, an actress. No big deal. And lots of actresses and actors and celebrities do that. But then when she was dating Harry, she I thought this was quite interesting. She wore that M and H necklace, and she was she knew she would be photographed. I mean, I would absolutely argue the case that she she didn't expect to be photographed then. Then she gets a call from a friendly courtier at KP, and she's just given some friendly words of advice. Now, to me, this is page one. Do not court it like that if you don't then want to end up in a newspaper with, you know, she's wearing an M&H necklace. And then to say that she felt really hurt and she felt troubled that she didn't know what was going on. I mean, she knew how the game worked about courting press. And, to, and by doing that, I just feel that there's, this book is um, very, very one-sided. So I'm not here to knock the book. I think it's a tremendous achievement for Omid and Carolyn. Um, and I, I, I will salute them for that because they've got, they've got into their inner circle. They've um, spoken to, they've revealed some fascinating details throughout the whole book, regardless of, of, of the way that it's become a hagiography. Um, and I, you know, I just get that feeling that it's it's very very one sided. And I think a lot of the people that I've spoken to would 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 feel that way as well. So I don't think I'm I'm saying anything. Um, you know, yeah, out, the, too the out there. start of the Daily Telegraph, the start of the Daily Telegraph's book review, and the, and the Daily Telegraph is one of the outlets that they the Sussexes have continued to work with. Have been a kind of a preferred. Part, media partner, if you like, of their project since they quit their senior royal roles and banned the royal rotor, essentially. Um, so the intro from this, written by Harry Mount, he says, uh, Finding Freedom is one massive monothon, a one-sided, highly biased, self-pitying account of the, re of the relationship between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and it's utterly gripping. So I think if you accept <laughs> that, if you are, you know, you are, you are getting their view of the world and that is a that is a very valuable thing and valentine low at the times as well he was sort of similarly um his review saying like it is very much that side of the thing of the thing um and uh, we get the pure undiluted view voice of h and m as their staff call them that makes this book an important contribution to the understanding of the biggest crisis in the royal family for more than 20 years However, it is not necessarily an edifying experience or indeed a reliable narrative. The main complaints, as far as one can tell, is that the Sussexes sometimes had to take a backseat in the royal pecking order when their proposals clashed with initiatives from Prince Charles or Prince William. So, you know, I, I think it's clear, like they did have, a, there, were, there were things that it was clearly pretty tough. I mean, getting death threats and horrible things happening and having white powder come that the security staff are fearing is anthrax being sent to you. Um, just because you know, because of your cut, your well, um, well, your, your relationship and listen, your relationship and your ethnicity as well. Absolutely, because absolutely. it was racial. All of, all of that was things. abhorrent, and you know some of the stuff on social media throughout the last few years has been absolutely beyond the pale. And and nobody would, in their right mind, would argue that. And it is, and it is tough being in the public eye. And I'm sure that Meghan did find it very tough. And Harry has, has always found it difficult. Um, however, I mean, the interesting point in Harry Mount's uh, The Telegraph Review, he also did say that this does come across as um, two fabulously wealthy and privileged people a lot of the time being told no. And when that happens to those sorts of people, they don't like it and that's and that's what does come across here and i think that you know i've argued this case that if they did step away if they went to live in 
Canada, Vancouver Island, and the, the um, Angolan or Botswana wilderness, everyone could have really accepted that and said, you know what, they, it wasn't for them. They gave it a shot. They've now gone to, gone to live a very, very private life. But when you then suddenly turn on your heels and you pitch up in Hollywood at the paparazzi capital of the world uh, and now you know living in rented massive million dollar mansions and stuff like that I think the sympathy is waning and and it, and it, and it is a it is a long road back for Harry and Meghan because there's a lot of um, un, 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 actually hurtful comments I would say whether it's with William and Kate or Charles saying that Charles was just obsessed with his, his own personal persona uh, details about the, the cold relationship hot and cold relationship with the boys William being called a snob which is you know when one member of the royal family is calling another one a snob <laughs> you know there's a problem so I, I, I don't know I think that there's it could have been um, in a it could have been more sensitive I mean it, it's it's sensitive to, of a point isn't it because it's just them pouring their hearts out and saying about how um how uh, how tough they felt it but i i, I mean i i'll be fascinated when when more people have sort of read it and and, and the reviews start piling in because it's one thing we're in the belly of the beats aren't we but um yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that we are we have a, a different form of bias, and I will put a an Instagram you know shout out into your into your answers here thing, or you can email us podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com. But I think Russell was so upset about not having anybody calling him breathtaking that he set himself up a fan. I want to be called Russell. Yeah. <laughs> no, Grace under fire. I think that's, Grace under that's, fire. Okay. Well, well, yeah. If if anybody else has a better nickname for Russell, <laughs> uh, then please kind. do send that in as well. But, you're, kind, yeah. but he set himself up a fan. We're recording in a heat wave and he's currently got it directed directly at his mic. So if you're getting was... too much fan noise from this, Sorry. then we do apologise. <laughs> Lovely Daniel Jackson, our our, um, our producer, will be doing his best to clean it up. And congratulations to Dan as well, because we've got a new comment platform that has launched on the Mirror website this week. Um, so do go on, visit our Finding Freedom page or our Royal Family page, which has all of the coverage that Zoe and Russell and a cast of assorted superstars from Mirror Online has been doing over the last few days. Um, and leave your comments there or on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you can find us, let us know. We would love to hear what you think of things. We have had a couple of early ones in, if I can get them up. In the meantime, I must just give a shout out to Faith as she is driving to Walden Pool to swim. She sent me in a, a nice suggestion for a podcast idea and it sounds fabulous to be able to go out for a swim because it's absolutely baking hot here. My thermometer in this room says it is 30 degrees, but I have turned my fan off for the sake of you all. So we're all a bit, it will be a very sweaty podcast team selfie today. Right. Hold on. Where are these comments? It's hotter than the Bahamas. And I was chatting to someone, uh, it lives in Brisbane. It's hotter hot than Brisbane, although it's probably winter there now. But. Yeah, this is the nature of the Brits, as you all well know, listeners. We complain when it's raining, we complain when it's cold, <laughs> and then it gets hot and we know it even worse. Ridiculous. So there we go. Right, so some comments from our Instagram so far. So Ilma Bar 88 says, so they have blamed both their families, the courtiers, the media, the people of the UK, even the Russians. Who else is there left to blame for their misfortunes? 
Lots of Tots says, reading the book, I'm just shocked at how it makes them look bad. So they left because they were upset at KP not saying they were happy about her assistant leaving. They were angry at Angela not giving the tiara for a hair trial, even though Kate didn't get hers for her wedding. The hairdresser talked about how he used a Claire's tiara on his assistant. I think that's Claire's accessories, legend of, uh, of the high street. <laughs> get your ears pierced. Um, they're angry because William's project's got more funding. What on earth? And then um, Unc94Gal says, I have three comments. One, if they had met even two years sooner, I bet they could have stayed. So this is quite a long one, this one, but it's good. So I'm going to read it all to you. If Megan had had just a little more time to find her feet, then they may have made it work. I get it. I met my husband when we were in our mid-30s. We were engaged in four months, married six months later, our first child born a year after that. Still going strong 14 years on, I'm happy to say. Well done. Congratulations. Good stuff. Um, William had the good fortune to meet Kate in his 20s and for her to see what she was really getting into and at a time when people still vividly remembered what Diana went through. Also, no, so number two. Also, can't ever discount the racism Meghan faced in the tabloid press online and in the family. Looking at you, Princess Michael. Sounds like Harry was quite sensitive about criticism of Meghan as he saw it as a repeat of what happened to Diana. He openly acknowledged he was still scarred by that. Who wouldn't be? Someone in the palace or the family should have helped them both navigate through it. Three, tiny again, William and Kate were busy building their family and taking on more work. They may not have had the bandwidth to figure out how to help. And often it's hard with siblings to get along. Personal experience here. Anyway, can't wait to hear the show. So thank you so much for that comment. So, you know, it is difficult. Zoe, what did you think reading the book? Did your opinion change? How did you think Harry and Meghan came out of it? Again, accepting that we are from a particular side of the media fence, I guess. Yeah, again, I think it's one of those ones because we obviously maybe read it slightly differently to, to the way that our listeners will read it is that we kind of understand that it's very much that it's been very much spun up and it is very much their friends and everyone's going to speak very positively, well, you'd hope, about your friends anyway. But um, I think it kind of showed them to be a lot more, um, the, the, you know, the kind of face they put on things of saying that they, you know, that they didn't read the comments and the last engagement they didn't you know they look very confident they look really happy and i think it was quite interesting to see oh well what is claimed they were actually like behind the scenes like that you know the final engagement or the final public engagement anyway the um commonwealth day service uh, to hear that even though when we saw them they were holding his hands smiling kind of chatting to kids and things like that that kind of just moments before that they were actually megan was apparently in tears and kind of asking I can't believe this has happened and how did we you know how did we get here and things like that um was quite interesting Russell what will happen with the royal family will they read this book do you think will their courtiers read it and brief them on the bits or do you think they'll want to read the whole gory thing and get a sense of it for themselves I don't I'll know. Actually. Moral I don't... To chat yeah about I mean on your, summer, on your summer holes I mean I, I don't know I mean what one would would suggest that they they will be given a a full briefing document of the of the main headlines of it of which there are many um i'm i'm sure charles william and kate will want to know how they come across in it um uh and i, I, I again I, th I think there's a lot of detail in there um there's a lot of unfortunate comments labeled at um at, at charles and, and william like i've said and I, and I think it will take a take a long time to repair i mean you know, just speaking to the people i have over the last week or two um and, and certainly over the last 24 hours i think there was more 
more coming out that hadn't been serialized over the last couple of weeks and um, and I, and I don't I don't think anyone comes across as well you know potentially the institution for for not looking after them um and then Meghan and Harry come across quite petulant at times even though they were suffering um and then you know the the, the fact that the, the senior roles didn't put their arm around them and, and realize that, that that it was that bad because I do think looking back on it they were caught caught on the hop that um Harry and Meghan dropped this dropped this statement in a in January, there had been talk about it in the latter half of last year that, that they were very, very unhappy. But but certainly, um, you know, pe- people didn't see the big, big fallout that, uh, that has essentially been running headlines over the last um, six months or so. Okay, right. Lots more to talk about. So let's move on. Quick run through from me, and then we will be um, dissecting some of those bits and hearing a bit more again from Russell and Zoe, some of their highlights of the things that were happening while I was um, taking a, taking my little break. So um, the Queen has headed up to Balmoral, some great pictures of her leaning on a stick in her tartan. Prince William was on a podcast with Peter Crouch. Love that. That was brilliant. Latest in Meghan's court case, the friends will be allowed to stay anonymous. Kate and William have been busy again. Kate's been visiting a baby bank and they went together to Barry Island, uh, which is a great day out. Lovely beach, nice for a swim, good fish and chips and home of, if you watch Gavin and Stacey, the fish and chips from uh, Gavin and Stacey is down on Barry Island. And they went to a Cardiff old folks home as well, but it sounded like they possibly should have had Russell along to do the bingo calling because there was one of the care home people who said that they were a bit ropey at it. You'll have to check out the previous episode when we tried out Russell's bingo calling when it was particularly impressive. It'll be the one holding up the little bingo. I got every one. He did. He Every did. I was single, shocked. It's incredible. This is my question. Breathtaking it was, Russell. Breathtaking. Breath, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> finally. Finally. The respect I deserve. Um, <laughs> Prince Harry's been talking about systemic racism. Harry and Meghan have bought a house in Santa Barbara. Listeners, if you are living in Santa Barbara, then we would love to know what your neighbourhood is like. If you drop me an email, podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com or get in touch on social media, and then maybe we could have a little chat before the next episode and we can have a little segment hearing about Welcome to the Neighbourhood and, you know, where's good to go, what kind of a place it is. I, it's not somewhere that I particularly know, although I know Zoe's been looking at who the uh, celebrity neighbours are who live there already. So anyway, I'd be interested to hear more on that. And then obviously Prince Andrew continues to, um, and Ghislaine Maxwell case continues to rumble on. So, Russell... Where do you want to yeah. start? What is, Where do you want to what's start? What's your highlights? Highlights. Um, okay, Kate at the Baby Bank, which I thought came out of the blue. Amazing initiative. Uh, this was the Duchess of Cambridge was visiting uh, a baby bank, much like a food bank of people who have children. And, you know, having a baby is an awful, awful, uh, ex- not an awful expense. It's awfully expensive. <laughs> but um, I thought that um, I thought that this was a really fascinating project and it's you know Kate was talking about how she'd been moved to tears after hearing the stories of how families have been coping during the coronavirus coronavirus crisis and uh, and so she then set up this um, visit to this baby bank in Sheffield which is in South Yorkshire and as part of this initiative um, really really behind the scenes she'd got in touch with 19 major UK retailers and brands and got them to donate 10,000 new items to 40 baby banks over the UK and I think it is a phenomenal achievement and it's kind of like 
you know, away from all these headlines, away from the Andrew, Ghislaine Maxwell, finding freedom, away from all this. This is the business of monarchy. And this is sort of what we expect them to be doing. And it's without fanfare. It is something that she's just been getting on with uh, behind the scenes, um, you know, and I know that Harry and Meghan have been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and we're definitely going to hear a lot more of the stuff that they've been doing with Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, they were speaking to Rashad Robinson during the week, uh, which we can touch upon. But I think that this was it was a really, really interesting insight into where she sees herself in the market, essentially, the early years development, a lot of stuff with family. She you knows we know she loves kids, and it's a part of this. Um, giving children the best opportunities in life. And and we've seen that over the last, well, lots over the last sort of six to 12 months, haven't we? And um, and this is something that I, that I hope she sort of carries on through because it shines a light on a really, really important aspect of her work. Uh, Barry think, Island, was it? Sorry, you were going to say. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I think like actually, you know, food banks and baby banks, particularly at the moment. So today we've had the news that we're in the worst recession on record. You know, there's loads of people who have lost their jobs and highlighting these services, which have been doing good work for a long time, but are probably going to be even more in need of support. And fair play to the businesses as well who donated those items, because for a lot of businesses, it's been a it's been a difficult time for them as well, because people aren't going out on the high street shopping and, and buying things. So, you know, well done. Well done to Kate. And I, I suspect that the um her coming out and talking about it has then kind of raised awareness and people are now pledging more stuff and, and raising things and it's it's good work so sorry we we clashed our no 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 then. i think it's totally right totally with barry island big hit with barry island i mean our american global listeners probably don't know about gavin and stacy but one of the you know james cordon's look it up well worth it fantastic uh, docu- uh, documentary fantastic series <laughs> written <laughs> imagine if it was a documentary <laughs> um, I mean uh, James Corden uh, who are you know American listeners will, will know some may love some may not love but uh, he, he it was one of his sort of um was it so how he launched himself into yeah sort of his, his great really, wasn't it yeah, yeah. Um, and so this the Barry Island in Wales uh, sort of seaside town and they were visiting um, to sort of try and drum up support for the you know the great British staycation and a lot of us are not travelling I know you've been very fancy you've got I've on done a plane I've done a staycation as well we went <laughs> you, to South Devon it was see, lovely and I think a lot more people are do, doing that this year people are not necessarily going to go on planes on, or abroad because they're worried about getting caught back in quarantine but um they were they were so visiting some of the um, the arcade slots and the beach and 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 places which are quite um, famous within within the series. And then, as you rightly point out, they then went to Cardiff uh, and visited some of the uh, the the folks in the old folks' home uh, who they did the bingo calling with. And one of the ladies, I mean, I won't swear because it's a family show, but look it up <laughs> because this is absolutely genius. That, uh, I think um, William and Kate asked how their uh, bingo calling was and she said it was a tad rhymes with bitty and oh they absolutely fell about laughing. So I, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed the, uh, the, crude, the crude nature of that job. That's the second time that William's been called out on his bingo skills, actually, isn't it? Do I remember that? Didn't he have, didn't someone... He did a virtual one a few months ago, kind of in the peak of lockdown. I'm sure someone else has plated <laughs> his bingo calling as well. He needs to have yeah, some Yeah, I'd, I'd stick to the king stuff, mate. Uh, yeah. not, the bingo, <laughs> not the bingo calling. Yeah. Get Russell as your bingo caller stand-in. Yeah. Zoe, is well, there anything... 
it all goes pear shape. I know that I know I can get a job in a bingo hall. Yeah. Um, Zoe, is there anything that stood out for you over the last couple of weeks on the on the royal beat that you've particularly enjoyed or noticed or been surprised by? No, the, the, the Barry Island stuff I thought was brilliant. I thought it was really nice to see Kate and William doing something really nice. Obviously, the last few months, lots of the engagements has been, and rightly so, very serious, kind of looking at how the um, pandemic has hit people. It was really nice to see them just doing something really fun and the pictures were great. But um, the lovely shots of the Queen starting her holiday were great as well in her, in her tartan. Uh, nice to see that her and Philip have finally kind of got, made their way up to start their summer break and... I'm hoping have lots of fans and air conditioning and things up there. <laughs> it's like you there's aircon in Balmoral. Do you reckon yeah. there's aircon in Balmoral? I'm not sure, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I reckon they've got a slightly better fan, though, than the ones I bought in Tesco, like the ones that I panic bought in Tesco's at the start of the week. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what else was there? Um, I thought that Harry speaking, you know, this this week, actually, um, Harry speaking about systemic racism and he was speaking to civil rights activist Rashad, uh, Rashad Robinson. And if you don't know about him, I'm sure a lot of our American listeners will. He's a really, really impressive individual and he runs an organization called Color of Change. Um, and it's you know harry speaking i think this is something we're going to see an awful lot more because you know as the, as the book points out and as we've seen before he's he's obviously been up close and personal seeing some of the the attacks um uh, a lot of the mudslinging on social media and beyond of uh, uh, for for megan and how she has obviously felt within with growing up as a, a biracial person and and now he's been exposed to it i think one of the things that um that uh, you know, some commentators have said is that potentially Harry should, um, you know, in order to get his message across, is maybe speak about his own prejudices throughout his um, throughout his life. You know, there's the well-documented uh, instances of him wearing a Nazi uniform to a party, him calling a fellow officer a derogatory racial slur when he was in the army. And I and I really do think if if he did come out and say and say, listen, I've I've had uh, I've had these experiences and I've learned through my mistakes and this is why I want to now stand on this platform to, to, to really preach um, against any form of ignorance. I think that would be a very, very powerful statement and he would be widely applauded for it. And that's possibly the only thing that I think, you know, maybe he will do it in time. Maybe he's building up to it, but I think that that is something that could be labeled um, and labeled to him. And Megan's come out and said she is definitely voting this autumn. I suspect not for Donald Trump. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, I mean, lo lots of other stuff. Um, can I just say, yes, the podcast, can. the Peter Crouch podcast. So I don't know how many of our listeners will have caught up with this one. It's quite football orientated, but obviously it does have a lot of Prince William in it as well. Peter Crouch is a former England footballer who's known for being really, really tall, scoring <laughs> a surprisingly large number of goals with his feet. Um, and being really funny um, so you know it, basically his classic gag is what would you be if you weren't a footballer I'd be a virgin which is always <laughs> he's not he's not as um, dashing as some of the footballers around he's you know gawky and funny and he Aww. was talking well, but, no I like him <laughs> I mean he is he is enormously tall and that was kind of you know everyone wants the, the big lad up front for football but he's he was very good with his feet enjoyed watching him he played for England and he used to do a robot dance celebration anyway since finishing playing football um 
he he's been doing this podcast and he's been doing TV presenting, whatever. Anyway, so he and t- these two blokes headed off to Kensington Palace and ended up having curry with Prince William, drinking like whiskey at 11 o'clock in the morning. They had a good, um, very funny discussion about um, what it's acceptable to wear. And, and I just thought you actually got quite a sense of, again, of Prince William, what he might be like hanging around with a bunch of lads. And you got stories about him being on a on a stag do in Blackpool um, and by one of the listeners sending in a message, apparently, because he'd seen him in the urinals, which is particularly bad. <laughs> like, all, all the urinals in all the worlds, you bump into someone who is going to end up listening to the Peter Crouch podcast. Very peculiar. Um, yeah, no, it was and- good. I mean, he was talking about, as well, about George, whether he reckoned he could be the star striker for Aston Villa, his, his team who... Uh, who managed to stay in the top division, uh, you know, just yes. a couple of weeks ago, Last which was big we news spoke. for him. Last they were battling we it out. You wrote them off. You said they've got no hope. <laughs> I did. That shows them how I know about yeah. anything, I think. And they, well, they did. They managed to survive on like the last day of the season. Yeah. So it was a close call. I think um, Prince William did say he'd been to see West Ham, but didn't really fall for them. Or certainly one, one of the one of the guys on the show because they were talking about who you end up supporting and you know how how it was that William had ended up supporting Aston Villa. And it was for people who are sports fans as well as royal fans. And it's definitely it's definitely a really good listen. It was a good listen. Because- because I mean, the central point of it was, you know, about heads up, and they've had, you know, the season was kind of marred. Actually, it was a bit unfortunate because the big um, cup competition, the FA Cup, was uh, going well. Was renamed the Heads Up FA Cup, and it was supposed to culminate in the big final at Wembley Stadium in front of ninety thousand people. And obviously, because of COVID, it, there was no fans there, but it was still watched by, you know big record numbers on on television so there was a lot of speak to chat about that but I think it just showed William uh, in a real sort of relaxed manner how we were speaking really candidly about the awful presents that he bought Kate he said he bought her a oh, pair of binoculars bizarrely I mean <laughs> just, uh, I mean it's certainly you have certainly you have flunkies to do this sort of stuff for you so you don't need to make these awful maybe not um, when mishaps. you're at university like so Russell, oh, yeah. what's, the what's the worst present that you've got for your missus? Oh, my word. Probably not got one. That's probably worse than getting <laughs> yeah. crap ones. <laughs> do you, how do you think um, binoculars would go down with Mrs. Myers? I don't think she'd be that keen. She'd probably think I was a bit weird to people. even weirder. <laughs> I mean, binoculars is a funny one. Yeah. Uh, no, my parents gave my husband some binoculars and they've got, we, we take them to lots of places. They're great. When we start yeah. going to our local yeah, but that's not buying your lover a no, pair of binoculars. That's true. Totally weird. Not early on in in. I mean, I think possibly in lockdown it would be appropriate if, since everyone's got into nature and all of that kind of stuff. Plus, you're not allowed out anywhere, so you might as well have binoculars to try and see a little bit further down the, down the road. Zoe, <laughs> so, what's the worst present you've ever been given? I was just thinking that I can't. I can't think. Oh, I was given some earrings once when I didn't have my ears pierced. That was the kind of best. That was the best, like polite. Oh, thank you. And I kind of like untucked my hair from behind my ears to cover up the fact I didn't have them pierced. Um, Brilliant. But yeah, that's probably the. Just trying to think. Um, Russell, with these visits, obviously, Mm. you know, the podcast was recorded separately and and all of that, and that wouldn't have been a a royal visit. But like the Barry Island one and the care home one and things, are they still very much? 
sort of happening and then being released information afterwards again yeah i mean yeah they are i think that the the issue is really crowds and the the, the royal households are very very uh, mindful of the state that we're in at the moment certain areas in the uk are still under lockdown there's you know we're all still doing social distancing and what have you and 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 obviously it's part of the course isn't it whenever there's a royal in town there's massive massive crowds and if you look at some of the photos um that were from barry island that there were crowds developing because as soon as a load of Range Rovers turn up and uh, a load of photographers uh, are around, then you know that someone's uh, someone important is there. So there were crowds on the beach, um, and I think that's going to be part of the course of uh, you know for, for for a good few months. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it continues towards the end of the year because um, because nobody knows what we're doing next week rather than you know as opposed to next month at the moment. And do we know if they're taking the summer off, the Royals generally, to head to Balmoral or whether the work is continuing in these unusual times? Well, I think that, um, you know, that there's a, something big at the weekend, um, which is the uh, commemorations of VJ Day, VJ 75, and that is you know, the, end, the end of the Second World War, essentially. And this is going to be a big deal on Saturday. This is, a, you know, the Royal Family are all leading tributes. And it's going to start with Charles, um, followed by Camilla, and they're leading a national two-minute silence. Then... Um, also, the Duke of Edinburgh is come, you know, coming out again. He's done a he's done a video actually, which is uh, essentially a, 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 it's billed as a poignant montage of veterans, which will be shared uh, on social media and large screens throughout the country. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that because obviously he, he he's a former serviceman himself. Um, and and um, and William and Kate are going to be doing something as well. So that I mean, we're sort of well into August now, aren't we? And no, August is normally very very quiet. It certainly will be for the Queen. I don't think we'll be seeing any Zoom calls. Certainly, Charles and Camilla are taking um, a, a, a couple of weeks off. I, I would, I would imagine, we'll see um, something to do with the Cambridges. Well, I, I don't know for certain, but I think they feel as though they're sort of flying the flag for the firm at the moment because um, you know the Queen's still isolating. Charles has, 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 has obviously had coronavirus and had to take a bit of a back seat, and and their stock is very very high. And I think um, they would want to capitalise on that, and and especially because we're going to get back into uh, the schools. We're going to go back, fingers crossed, hopefully in September. And I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see them do something uh, along the lines with schools or education or something. If it's if it's very 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 well, I think with with what Kate's doing, so. That's my thoughts. Watch this space. I could be completely wrong. And there's a big big birthday coming up for Princess Anne as well. So that's one that we're going to be looking for. Happy birthday today to Arthur Edwards. In like, just the, you know, what's the word? Doyen of royal photographers. The, absolutely. That's what you say. Royal, he's practically royalty. He's yeah, royalty he, himself, our Arthur. He, Indeed. So, and then it's been Beatrice's birthday and it's been Megan's birthday. So happy birthday belatedly to them. Happy birthday to listeners if you're having a birthday. It's all the, all the just general happiness. Can you tell I've been away and I've had a nice time and I'm, even though it's yeah, absolutely full of the joys. Full of the joys. Why wouldn't you be when it's like 30 degrees inside? Um, so do you, do we know other than BJ Day, anything else exciting coming up? Are you around? Are you having a holiday, Russell? You're gonna- I'm not. No, I'm going to, you know, I'm just at the coal face, you know me, me and Zoe constantly yeah. working. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you're swanning off enjoying your holidays. I know. Well, you know, gotta take the chances while you can recharge the batteries. I recommend it. It's good. No. So, well, we went to Wales for a couple of days, didn't we? And I posted yes. a picture from the very rainy yeah. Wales. So, uh, no, gonna gonna keep cracking on. I mean, there's lots, there's lots coming up because. 
even though August is quite quiet, I think we're we're going to prepare for you know what's going to come out in the the Andrew Court case. I think there's going to be uh, a bit more of that. Um, we've obviously seen over the last couple of weeks that um, uh, Virginia Roberts has had a bit of a say because of the these new court documents have been revealed about Ghislaine Maxwell's previous civil case, and uh, Virginia Roberts is quoted in a lot of these papers. I think there was a, you know six hundred odd pages, forty five. Uh, or documents and um, and, it, and it makes very very uncomfortable reading even more uncomfortable reading for Prince Andrew because he is named throughout these and it, and it definitely seems that the uh, this is not going away anytime fast um, and 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 you know it remains to be how many times are we going to say it that the, the prosecutors want to speak to him he uh, he will be he, he'll be required at some stage to make a statement or representation of himself and it um, and it just you know needs to be ironed out how that is whether it's a statement whether it's a, a magistrate's court here in the UK or whether he will um, potentially be summoned to, before a judge in the US and it's um it's a it's a fascinating uh, tale of events and I think that's going to really uh, kick off in the next couple of months and when does Megan's court case come back is that having a sort of summer hiatus yeah so so the big thing recently was I mean just while you were away was the court case they, they had another yet another hearing which was to iron out the details of whether these infamous five friends would uh, would be named in the court case and Megan uh, was had said by her lawyers that it would be a, an unacceptable price to pay if the judge did grant permission for them to be named because they just uh, they make representations essentially saying that if these five people would be named, then or, you know the, the press would be all over them. They'd then have their lives trampled on. I mean that's you know absolute nonsense because these five friends have been named in countless articles. It's not it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work it out who they are. Um, you know, it's it's all over uh, the, the certain articles. Now, the issue is that the judge has said he won't um, grant permission for them to be named, but at the moment, and this is the killer line, because it may transpire that these five are called to give evidence. And we've spoken before about how this is really, really integral to the case. And I mean, there's a, uh, there's other reports in the Daily Telegraph today, and you know, Harry and Meghan's friendly press. Now they are reporting that the Mail on Sunday's lawyers are now looking into uh, the fact that finding freedom was done, or you know on the behest of Harry and Meghan or certainly they gave their permission for their inner circle to speak to uh, the authors to present this biography and how is that any different of Meghan giving her permission or knowing or not knowing about these friends who gave these glowing references in People magazine which was is, is the, the central crux of this case so if that is brought before the judge or if the judge or the you know the, the different sides do want to speak to these five friends in court that will be explosive and also it remains to be seen whether Megan has patched up her, her relationship with Jessica Mulroney who is it alleged is one of these uh, one of these five friends so you know it's going to get interesting it will get interesting definitely and we will be bringing you all the news and some more feature interviews and things all along the way glug 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 goes Russell as he has a little drink in the hot water yeah. I'm melting you, I'm melting if you any funny noises during this podcast then I'm very sorry there was a thunder and lightning storm right at the beginning but I don't think that one have got picked up so anyway Zoe thank you very much for joining us on your busy day Russell thank you for joining us too on yours and listeners thank you for listening 
listening again, whether you are driving to the pool to have a swim or sitting on the, lying on the beach or just um, in your house sweating it out during the heat wave while you're meant to be working or some such. Anyway, wherever you are, we hope you are safe and well. And until next time. Pod save the Queen!